So Guy, we're discussing a number of different topics that we are both passionate about and we yeah. both think will bring value to the Changemaker conversations. So you've been having a think about some topics that have brought um, sort of some inspiration to your own personal journey and also that have just sort of popped into your head. And one of those things was material possessions. Mm-hmm. So talk me through why that popped into your head and what you were thinking about at the time. Um, so... If you follow any of my socials or any of my podcast socials, you'll see I'm quite big into stoicism at the minute. I've been kind of going through the process of um, the journey behind it, where it came from and trying to get my understanding of it. And that's one of the things that they're quite big on is understanding the difference between what you have in material possessions and that link to happiness. Because I think even in today's society, you see we, we live in a, compar- a world of comparisons. Yeah. Where if, you, if you've got one model of a car and you see that that next model drive down the road, chances are you're thinking, I want that model. Or you're inquisitive at least to go, I want that car. So where does where does that happiness start? Where does that happiness end? Do we attribute too much happiness on possessions of material things? And is that the reason why when you ask somebody what happiness is, and this sounds like it's to talk about happiness, but but I'll get to the idea in a minute, is that do we basically attain or attach too much meaning to possessions that are material and probably in the grand scheme of thing, not all of that important. So yeah, I do think quite deeply about those those kind of things and, and reading about stoicism has has almost delved me a little bit deeper into that. Yeah, I think it is something that is instilled into us from an early age. Like just when you were chatting there, I was thinking back to even at school, I think we brought uh, something up in a, a topic or a discussion recently about, um, you know, how we were affected by um, the current situation with COVID and all the rest of it. And, you know, back in our day, we were using Nokia 3210s. But even thinking back to that stage when phones were just coming into play, you had Snake on the phones at the time, but it was always, there was someone in your class who had a better model of the phone and you were always aspiring to have that better model because then you would be the cool kid. You would be the one who has some technology that the rest of the kids didn't have. But where does that come from? That's obviously passed down through generation to generation of people wanting better, wanting uh, grass is always greener on the other side. Um, And it's that strive to be probably in someone's head, the best that they can possibly be (laughs) because they see other people with these materials that they now want. Yeah, I I do. I think that a lot of it seems to be, um, it comes for me, it comes back to the comparison. Mm-hmm. Is that we're never really happy with what we have unless we know it's better than somebody else's. Yeah, you know, it's almost like a little—I don't know what chemical it is. It's like a little shot of whatever it is in your arm when you see that you've got a better model of such and such than somebody else. And maybe at the time you're not quite aware of it, but it's there. Yeah. It's definitely in all of us. Um, and certainly, when you try and strip back the reason why you do what you do, why you make decisions that you make, which is the process I'm, I'm going on through stoicism, it really does make you sit back and go, what, what What does it matter what kind of phone I have? I what does it matter? Like I, I had a conversation with um, someone not so long ago. We were talking about, it was um, Poundland have, have just announced their like a new line of clothes, right? Yes. Pep and Co or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's pretty, it's pretty cheap. I, look, I think it's actually cheaper than Primark too. And the question was, well, why would you ever take clothes out of Primark, like, oh, or sorry, Poundland? What would make you go in there? And that kind of like made me think, well, 
are you are you making that comment based upon what you think others will think of you? Yeah. If you and who's to know? Who knows if you're wearing a pair of jeans that are from Pineland or, or from Topshop or even they're more expensive than that. Like it's, that's the kind of thing I'm getting point is like, we we don't need to be constantly focused yeah, on, on that sort of material meaning that is attached to the things we buy. But I think it's, again, it boils back down to, it's something that is drilled into us because even growing up, I remember having a pair of trainers or having a pair of jeans. Your friends would always ask you, Oh, what type of jeans are they? They're always looking for the make, the model. So you would have to justify it then. And if you were to say, turn around and say, oh, they're Levi's. Oh, let's check the label then. Do you yeah. know, because then you'd be lying going, I actually got these in Peps and Co there at Poundland. Yeah. They just launched a new brand. And then they'd be like, you were lying to us about having good jeans. Do you, Do you know, know something I mean? that was quite funny is when I was doing the research for the Ted Circles conversation, which is a plug, by the way. Yes. Whatever camera I'm looking at, it's a plug uh, for tomorrow night. Um, but... When I was doing the research, I came across a video on authenticity on TED Talk and the girl was speaking about her time in school and there was this like leather jacket that everybody wanted. So she didn't, she couldn't afford it. So what she done was she went and she bought a leather jacket that looked pretty like it, that was a little bit less expensive. And her grandmother or her mother had some kind of sewing machine. So she was able to produce whatever label of clothing brand it was that she wanted and everybody else had. And was able to stitch it onto the coat and was able to go into school and like nonchalantly throw it on the table so other people would notice that it was there yeah. with the label side up so people would see the label. And she was saying like she went from somebody who was not popular, who the popular girls wouldn't speak to, to go to girls going, well, where'd you get that at? That's awesome looking. And she said at that moment, she felt really, really good, really, really high. And then when she looked back on it in later life, it was kind of like, well, I, I'd done that basically to fit in. Yeah. But that whole process is quite a scary process if you are ingrained in that and if you live your life by those principles whereby it's, it is about the brand and it is about that owning that phone or leather jacket or, or whatever it is. Which brings me to the point that we discussed very briefly before we jumped on was this idea that I read in a book called The Power of Moments by Dan and Chip Heath. And the idea that we have, it's actually Daniel Kahneman was, was the original author of the research from the book Thinking Fast and Slow, but Basically, if we separate ourselves into two two selves, mm-hmm. right? We have an experience experiencing self and we have a remembering self, right? So the experiencing self is what we are all doing right now. We're experiencing the moment that we're in. We're not really thinking too much about it and not really thinking about our happiness at this moment in time or really what it means to us. We're just here. And obviously the remembering self is back on hindsight when you look back to it, right? But it almost seems to be, according to the research, that when you attach meaning to a moment, you don't really understand the meaning of that moment until you look back on it, until it's your remembering self looking back and seeing what happened. Yeah. All right. Because you can sit here and let's just say for this, this is a, an inauguration of some description. It's a celebration of some description that we're having, right? You can say to yourself, I am excited to be here. I am proud of such and such doing this. So if it was you, I would say you're proud of doing it. Right. Mm-hmm. And you might think to yourself at that moment in time, I'm experiencing a really good moment here. I'm going to enjoy it. I'm going to let my hair down. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Right. And that's grand. But and you're not really present in your thoughts and you don't really understand them until you look back and you go, actually, you know what? The reason why I enjoyed that was. Yeah. You don't think that at the time. It's when you remember back on it where you believe that. And I suppose what I'm getting at there is that if you think back to something you've bought, like your new phone or your new car or your house, 
and you get that shot of whatever it is, cortisol or adrenaline or whatever the, the chemical is, you don't really have an appreciation for how good that feels at the moment in time until you look back on it, right? And that, that that's that's essentially what I think when we attach too much meaning to getting that material, that coat, for example, that lady spoke about, because when she bought it, she bought it with the intention to impress others. And then when she looked back on it, she realized, nah, that was totally wrong. Yeah. No, that's it. But I suppose that's the process of learning and understanding as human beings. It's like, if you go as far back as like the cavemen, yeah. it was it was until they went through a process and looked back to realize that that's where the learning came into play because they didn't have books, they didn't have anything like that. So they had to experience something and learn from it and then to look back on it and go, right, okay, last time I touched that, I burnt myself or yeah. last time I lifted that, it was too heavy. And it was that learning. And I think it's it's a similar process in a sense when it comes to memories because we do, we take things for granted in that moment until a, a chain of events occur after that moment mm -hmm. that get us thinking going I think you had brought up at the start of the conversation or just before where we were discussing things um about uh, a little girl who all her mates were going to the theme park yeah and um obviously she couldn't go because she had to look after her granny but what may have been important in that moment was two three years down the line she could have lost her granny and that was an important moment to her because she seen the value in her family member in her granny and the moments that she spent with them yeah. rather than going with her friends who she could go with her friends any weekend any day of the week yeah. but the real value was in the moments that really mattered to her and then through that learning and understanding it brought her back to going now i know the value of that as opposed, so it's 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 really what I'm, what I'm not saying as well is that I don't believe you can attach <coughs> meaning to material things. Of course you can. If somebody has passed away and they've left you an old watch or a photo album or whatever it is, that that's grand. I suppose my kind of journey into understanding what it means to attach meaning to material things is that no matter how much we try and separate, um our feelings and our emotions that are attached to that thing, we cannot unseparate our subconscious from comparing it to what other people have. Yeah. That's the thing. That that's that's the thing that I'm trying to understand is why why do we do that? What what is it about what is it about going out to buy that leather coat as the example I gave? What is it that motivates us to do that in order to impress somebody else? You know, what where is the connection and how is that process driven where does it come from and how how does it drive our lives because it yeah. does i mean we're lucky enough that we're in a situation where we do have the finances that if we do want to go treat ourselves whatever it may be because of our stable work environment stuff we can go do that right and other i understand other people can't do that and that's that almost i think in many ways puts us at a disadvantage or puts whoever you know if you i'm not saying that we're, we've got loads of money but what i'm saying is that people who have expendable income probably don't appreciate what they don't have. Yes. Right? Because they can just go get it. Whereas what somebody who doesn't have that probably would would um, attach a little bit more meaning to what others might say are meaningless. Yeah. And, and that, that's the thing that gets me. No, definitely. But I think through everything that's went on over the course of this year um, and beyond has been it's been a real eye opener to people who have been so tunnel vision and they probably have been living their lives where they are looking at material items 
probably not valuing them as much as, you know, other people do from lower income backgrounds. And what's happening now is we're seeing a complete reversal where we're seeing people who are have been in a secure position for the majority of their adult lives are now finding themselves in difficulties because they're not getting support or they're finding really tough, difficult times and it's unsettling for them because now they're starting to see value in the things they never seen value in. Yeah. Um, and it's not chasing that material thing anymore. It's chasing the things that they they need as a necessity. Yeah. So uh, I seen one guy come on LinkedIn and it was really strange for me to see this, a professional coming on saying, that uh, the electricity had been cut off in his house and they had no heating um, and they had no access to food. They, They had ran out of money, basically him and his family. And I'm going, this is someone who's had a secure job for his whole adult life, has probably went through that stage of going through school, going to university, uh, getting straight into a job, moving his way up through that job. Now, because there's been a, a global pandemic, he finds himself in a position where all those material things that he's been chasing his whole life mean absolutely nothing to him now and what matters to him is the people that are around him his family and the essential things that are going to keep him alive as a human being so i think for that really sort of hit a nerve with me when i was looking at linkedin of all places on social media seeing someone going like it was a cry for help really yeah yeah. it's not you're right in terms of how the other thing about that story is the fact that he used LinkedIn and not any other social media yeah. because you always see LinkedIn as being that more professional kind of Facebook environment, which is which is um, it's a bit of a, a weird scenario in itself, but that's a different topic of conversation. But um, what I also find interesting about that story you just said was the fact that he had all of the possessions, right? He had everything that he needed um, in life. He had that secure job and stuff and you're saying now that, well, the only thing that matters to him is his family and they're secure and that they've got, you know, the basic needs of, of living, which comes back to Maslow's a hierarchy of needs. And nowhere in that does it mention material possessions yeah. in order to live a happy life. But the the sort of the contrast to that discussion about attaining happiness or attaching happiness, sorry, and too much meaning to material things is that I think we can allow ourselves to almost attach our character and who we are to those things. And that I think that's the dangerous, the really dangerous part is that if we, uh, if we start to have this impression of ourselves that we have to be the first person to get something, we have to be the early adopters, as Simon Sinek would say, that per- the people who queue outside um, Apple, whenever new iPhones out, you know the people who are constantly on Amazon looking for the latest uh, PlayStation, even before it's released. Those people who have to have it first, and then whenever that's gone, they move on to the next thing, mm-hmm. and then the next thing, and then the next thing. And then what happens is, when you get to a certain part of your life where either you a can't afford that stuff, or b you've got to the point where you don't know what's next. Yeah, then it, it all comes back to the well. What is the driver? Why do you do it? And that, and that's the fascinating thing about this whole co- topic of conversation for me is trying to find out why. Yeah, I, I suppose just from particular experiences and, and things that I can sort of tap into and relate to, um, I think that especially in American culture, and that's just one culture, for example, but there's a, a huge demand on people who need to fill a void. So material possessions fill that void. And if they're seen to be getting the top thing or the top PlayStation, 
they almost feel as though the fulfilled uh, part of their life that is that may be missing. Yeah. For example, you know, maybe they're not that popular. Maybe they've struggled with particular issues in their own lives and having that material thing comforts them and comforts how they are as an individual. But um, another thing as well is, um, like you were saying, that the people that queue up for the a particular model of something coming out, that that's insane. That is absolutely crazy. I, I can honestly say I've never queued up for a PlayStation game or a PlayStation. Do you know what I did do, though, when I was 12? Sports, what? Sports House were releasing them, you Manchester at top, and I got the Mario or a bed at 12 o'clock, then they're going to get it at night. Well, <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. But I, I've, I, can, I can honestly say, unless a family member comes on and corrects me from yeah. like my younger years, but in my memory, I can never remember queuing up or camping or getting yeah, a yeah. deck chair out. Um, it's that's insane. Fair enough. I've looked at, I've went online and refreshed the page loads of times looking yeah. for tickets for a festival or a, a concert that I really want to go to. And the only reason I'm doing that is not to have a material possession It's just how quickly they go. Yeah, yeah. But it, it again, when I think of people queuing up outside shops or, um, for a launch of something, I always think of America. And mm. all and it must be down to the way Americans market. Yeah. They spend billions every year to market their products, which then sets off a trigger in people's heads. They're spending billions of pounds. They need people to queue up. They need yeah. to create this frenzy. They need to create this hype. Mm. They need to sort of create this illusion that if you're not there, you're not important. If yeah. you're not here, you don't follow our company. Yeah. That's almost what you take from that. We we spoke earlier on, didn't we, briefly about very pl- uh, very coy marketing um, strategies and things, and that's certainly one of them. Is you, you know you you market it in order to drive up attention so that people think they can't do without it. That's they it. Need this in their life. Um, but I suppose the, the whole argument goes back for me. Not argument, sorry. The whole debate uh, goes back to trying to find the reason why I make decisions that I make. And that's where this idea of material possessions came up from. And again, I go back to the stoicism and, and how it's allowed me to almost see my thoughts on a piece of paper that I'd never seen before. You know, it's, it's a weird process when you do it because you, you can think of your thoughts, right. And you can articulate your thoughts, but have you ever wrote them down and then looked at them? Cause that's a weird experience. Yeah. That's a weird experience. And, that whole thing, the, this whole idea of of how much um, meaning that I attain or I attach to material possessions that I buy or I want or whatever it is that I have, it kind of goes back to well, am I being me? Am I being myself? And that that whole process of you can call it self discovery, you can call it whatever it is you want to call it. A lot of people, I think, look upon it and go, "He's just being airy, fairy, and fluffy, and this has no real meaning." And the, the, the philosophy is just there for people who are intelligent. Mm-hmm. Philosophy is only for people who are intelligent. And man, it's not. Yeah. It is not. It, 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 it does ask you to ask questions of yourself, which is uncomfortable. But if I didn't ask those questions, we wouldn't be having this discussion today about that topic. No, definitely not. Um, but just from what you were saying, I started journaling just in around Christmas time. Mm. Um, first time I've started to write down sort of my thoughts and, and some of my ideas. And like you're saying, it is a strange experience because even reading back to the start, even Christmas, it's what, a month ago. Yeah. It's it's insane, the change of even my thought process and what was my top priority is maybe like middle of the table now mm. to what my new top priority is. And it's crazy how, how quickly that changes yeah. um, in the sense that 
there's so much goes on in the world. There's so much trying to consume you. There's so much trying to take your attention mm. and there's so much trying to drive you to particular products or particular needs or wants. Um, and that's that's what we, we find ourselves in a world like that. And it's basically all digital. It's all driven towards phones, mm. tablets, iPads, um, TVs. Um, and it's through companies that are all competing against each other, spending hundreds of millions of pounds a year yeah. to grab your attention, to keep you engaged. Uh, to drive you towards the products. Well, um, who, who would have thought 20 years ago that a thing, a phone, a piece of technology in your hand could trigger chemicals in your head that would keep you addicted to what you're doing? Yeah, it's insane. Without taking anything in? Yeah. Without taking any substance into the body, you are addicted just by what you hold in your hand. Madness, isn't it? It's crazy. But um, I hope that we can continue to have these conversations because these are the ones that I learned from just as I'm sitting here. You know, because some of the stuff you've spoken about, the one at home for me was the LinkedIn guy. LinkedIn, the sort yeah, of LinkedIn, that. LinkedIn. Because you don't see that stuff on LinkedIn. No, you and, don't. And you don't see somebody as professional as that air those views and those opinions. And that's why I think these these types of conversations, call it sofa conversations, what you want to call it. I know that um, Simon Sinek would call them watercolor conversations, you know, conversations you have with your workmates around the watercolor yeah. or the tea, uh, tea room whenever you're making tea and stuff. The stuff that seems to be off the cuff that isn't planned, that you don't think too much about, you just speak. I think those ones are valuable, that that type of conversation is valuable. That, like, that, that's why I think meeting up with friends for a cup of tea, for a cup of coffee, for a hot chocolate, whatever it is, um, has the value to make you, make you sit back and reflect as well. Because if you don't have those conversations, what kind of thoughts then become next? So that's, that's why I've, I've really, really actually enjoyed this one. Yeah, no, it's been good. Continue to do more of them. For sure, definitely. And just to finish on the LinkedIn thing, um, not your guy's story, but I find more so now than ever, especially within Northern Ireland, people are pulling together more so than they would have beforehand. Um, I find LinkedIn a very daunting place where I actually find myself maybe this time last year, I was trying to create a character for myself. So, you know, I was working in the overseas property. I was trying to create a LinkedIn profile that just sold me as a marketing guy working for an overseas property, neglecting the valuable things that I actually hold within myself because I was like, yeah, I'm going to have too many hats. People are going to get confused. And now I'm like, no, this is me. I'm not going to hide behind someone I'm not. But LinkedIn sort of drives you towards going, you need to sell yourself as this professional yeah. person, but I'm not out there looking for some company to hire me. So I've, I've sort of taken a step back and went, I do not give a shit <laughs> what anyone thinks about my LinkedIn profile. Yeah. I'll do what I want to do and I'll share what I want to share. And that is that. But it took me that time. time to do that. So uh, talking about material possessions, I was clutching on to this digital material possession yeah. going i need to create this persona for myself in order to tell people that all i do sell over or, well i don't physically sell yeah. overseas property but i help the company to sell overseas property and uh yeah that was a real eye-opener because like you were saying linkedin is that sort of place where you go towards to try and big yourself up to be someone that you maybe aren't, aren't. and that that is the crux of it that is the crux of attaching that meaning to something that is almost meaningless. Yeah. Is that you're trying to be somebody who you're not. And why would you want to live your life as somebody you're not? Why would you want to live your life trying to chase the person that you will never be? Exactly. Or the person that you don't really, you're you're basically lying to yourself that yeah. you are at that point in time. For sure. So no, I've thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. Yeah. Like you said, Gary, it's a very relaxed environment, may I add here? It's the candles. The candles, I definitely. I have a thing, the- that, by the way, I don't even know what camera I'm looking at here, but I have a thing about 
candles. It's, yes. They're so relaxing for whatever reason. I don't know what it is, but yeah, there you go. So yeah, plenty more sofa sessions and discussions coming up, hopefully over the next couple of weeks. Fingers crossed, yes. <laughs>